Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so we're talking about the Sabbath for three weeks. And last week I kicked it off. We looked at Exodus, the Ten Commandments there. And I talked about, I tried to frame this whole conversation. Let's not think about the Sabbath as command, but let's think about it as gift. It is this wonderful gift that our Father gave us at the very creation itself. Uh, a Father who knows us, who knows what we need, uh, and has given us this really good gift to bless us. And I think as we look out at the world right now, uh, a good word to describe it is restless. We live in a very restless world right now. And so what better gift to give uh, his kids than the gift of rest? And so we talked about Sabbath as a day uh, to stop, a day to be refreshed, a day to be grateful. And today, I want to talk about Sabbath as a day of freedom. I want to look at this theme of, of freedom. This is, a, this is a day to celebrate our freedom. And what's really interesting to me, uh, if you look at this passage, is that in the Deuteronomy version of the Ten Commandments, uh, Moses grounds the Sabbath day in a different event than he does in Exodus, okay? So Exodus is out Mount Sinai just months after Israel's come out of Egypt, and they get the Ten Commandments there. And the Sabbath command is grounded in what event? If you heard last week, what is it? why do we observe the Sabbath? Because what? Because God observed the Sabbath, right? The, day, right? the event of creation. We go back to the very beginning and God observed the Sabbath. He built it into, uh, hardwired into creation. So that's why we observe Sabbath. What's really interesting in this passage, this is now 40 years later on the plains of Moab. So Israel's been in, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Now they're just coming right to the edge of the promised land, about to enter in. And Moses again reminds them of the Ten Commandments. But this time he grounds the Sabbath commandment in a different event, not the event of creation, but the event of salvation. Look at verse 15. Remember, here's why you observe Sabbath. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. So Sabbath is a day to remember God as creator, but it's also a day to remember God as savior. And I wonder if that's because he is now talking to a generation of Israelites, many of whom actually don't remember the Exodus story of coming out of slavery. And so they need to be reminded, this is what... God, this is what Yahweh did for your parents and for you. He rescued us from slavery. He brought freedom. And so Sabbath is a day to remember our freedom. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, that Sabbath is a day to remember and to experience our freedom. I want to look at first what that looked like for Israel, and then let's, we'll talk about what could this look like for us today. All right, so let's just be reminded of the, the Israelite story uh, and how God rescued them, okay? So here's where the sword drill starts coming in, okay? So this was going to be real fast, but we're going to take our time. Some of you have phones. That's an unfair advantage, but that's okay. Whatever you got, you can go with. All right, so let's go back to Exodus chapter 1, verse 11. This will be familiar for many of you, but um, I think it's good just to be reminded of their story and kind of hear the language, actually, as it, as it comes out in the scriptures. Uh, Exodus 1.11. You all beat me, it looks like. Wow. 
So uh, they, being the Egyptians, they put slave masters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Pithom and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. And all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. So Israel had this experience of slave labor. We don't know if this was decades or generations, how long it was, but they experienced that. And one of the words that the scriptures use to describe their experience of slavery is the image of a yoke, okay? That Israel was forced to carry the yoke of the Egyptians. And we, most of us know what a yoke is, right? It's that big wooden bar that you put over oxen as they're plowing the fields. It's this heavy burden. And that's how Israel experienced their lives. Their experience is one of heavy burden. And I think not only their experience, but I wonder how much over time their identity began to be marked by this experience of slave labor, right? I mean, if this is like generations, I don't know how long it was, but that starts to shape who you think you are, right? This is who we are. We're slaves. We are we're, we're oppressed. We, we are inferior to this amazing, they're living in the most powerful empire of the world, but we are the slave labor of this, this society. And so that, I imagine, began to shape who they were and certainly how they experienced life. And guess what they never got in Egypt? Sabbath, right? Never got a day off. <laughs> Seven days a week working, back-breaking labor in the hot Egyptian sun. Never a day off because slaves don't get days off. The Egyptians, the, the elite and Pharaoh, I'm sure he took days off, but they never got a day off. So enter Yahweh. Enter the God of Abraham. So let's go to chapter 3, famous chapter in Exodus. Let's go to 3-7. Appearing to Moses at the burning bush. I love these words. 3, 7, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land, land into a good and spacious land. So he's going to rescue them. He's, he hears their, he sees their misery. Uh, he'll rescue them. And what I love, if you look closely, even before he changes their experience, he actually begins to give them a new identity. Okay? And this, you, it's easy to miss this. But if you go to chapter 4, verse 22, um, he is talking to, uh, let's see here, Moses. And look at the identity he begins to shape in the Israelites. Um, verse 22, God saying to Moses, then say to Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so that he may worship me. Do you hear that? God's starting to give Israel a new identity. You guys aren't slaves. You're my firstborn son. You're my children. I love you. Actually, even before he rescues them, he starts to give them this identity as children of God. And then, of course, he gives them an experience of freedom, and we know the story, the ten plagues. His powers are displayed in, the, again, the biggest empire in the world. He's fighting the gods of Egypt. He's fighting Pharaoh. He rescues his people, brings them out into the wilderness. And I want, I want you to hear one description of, of what God did. You got to go to uh, Leviticus, which I know you are in currently in your devotionals, so you should have a, 
you know, you're ready to get there. Leviticus 26.13, I love this description. Uh, Leviticus 26.13, I love this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke, there's that word, and enabled you to walk with, hel- he- uh, with heads held high. Isn't that a cool image? You picture this group of people who for decades, generations, were just carrying this awful weight of slavery, of labor, of just, you know, just being treated ruthlessly, and God lifting that that weight off of them and enabling them to walk with their shoulders back and their heads held high. We are free people. We are not enslaved anymore. We are God's firstborn son, children of God, a new identity and a new experience of freedom. Okay? All right, so go back to Deuteronomy. Let's go back to our passage, Deuteronomy 5, 12, the, the Sabbath command. So God rescues them. That would have taken like half the time if I had the screens, you know, but good work. Um, He gives them a new identity. He gives them an experience of freedom. And then he says, and Sabbath is my gift to you. This is a reminder of your freedom that every seven days you get to have this experience of freedom, of rest, of refreshment, of stopping the labor that you do on the other six days. And you get to not only have an experience of rest and freedom, but you get to be reminded of who you are on this day. You are my sons and daughters. That's who you are. You're not slaves to anything else. You're not slaves to the gods of Egypt. You're not slaves to the gods of the culture. You're my children. And Sabbath is my gift to you to enjoy that. Now, I love what verse 14 says in our passage. Let me read this again. This is uh, the second uh, sentence there. On it, on the Sabbath, you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, or any other animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Okay, that's key. God is saying everybody gets the day off on Sabbath in Israel. Okay, everybody, animals, your maidservants, uh, the, the, the foreigners that are living among you, this is a day of rest for everybody, okay? So Israelites, your day of rest can't be such a day that it requires a bunch of people around you to serve you in order for you to enjoy your day of rest, right? And again, in Egypt, that was the case. I'm sure the, 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 the elite of Egypt had days of rest all the time. Certainly Pharaoh did. But those days required all sorts of people around them to cook for them and to serve them and attend to them. And God is saying, that's not how Sabbath works here. Everybody gets the day off on Sabbath. So you need to figure out how to have a day that's simple, that doesn't require a bunch of people to be working while you take the day off. Because what God was doing in Israel was he was really doing an experiment. (laughs) I mean, he was trying to create a truly free society, this new nation that would be ruled by him, that would be governed by by his values. And it was supposed to be this really countercultural thing. And it was for a time. I mean, Israel plopped down in the ancient Near East was a totally different thing. And you just have to picture like other surrounding nations watching this group of people come out of Egypt into the wilderness and then get formed in this land. And this was a nation that for the first time in human history, everyone would just shut it down for a day. Okay, and I know we're kind of, we know like weekends and stuff like that, but this was utterly 
new, utterly countercultural. And these, the, the surrounding nations were like, what is going on? These people, they just stop for a day. I remember Rick Langer, I think like five years ago, he taught on Sabbath. And he is this great picture of like, like if an Egyptian servant um, during the work week had to travel outside of Israel to another household to deliver a message. And he would deliver that to, let's say, uh, you know, a Babylonian servant. And they would start talking. And the servant like, guess what? We get days off in Israel. And the servant like, what? He's like, yeah, in Israel, they, even their servants get a day off. It's this crazy thing. And that's what God was up to, is he was creating a free society. He was, he was giving them a freedom and trying to do something different in their world. Israel on Sabbath, it was a day for them, all that to say, to say, we are free people. We do not bow to the gods of Egypt. We don't bow to the, to the idols and the priorities of the cultures around us. Why? Because we worship the one true God, Yahweh. And guess what he does? He gives freedom to his people. So this is a day where we declare our freedom to the world. And this is a day where we experience our freedom, our identity as God's kids. Make sense? Okay. Amen. Right? So let's turn this corner now and let's, what, okay, so what does this look like for us? Completely different context. How can we, as this gift that God has given us, how can we experience the Sabbath as a day of freedom? And I want to talk first kind of theologically, big picture, and then I want to try to talk actually real practically and culturally on two different levels. So let's just start theologically. Um, I think Sabbath, whenever that is for most of us, it's going to be Sundays, I would imagine. This is a day to experience the freedom of the gospel. Sabbath of all days is a day to soak in the good news again. Because here's the good news, right? We were not rescued from slavery uh, in Egypt, but we were rescued from slavery to our sin uh, and to our guilt and to the consequences of that and to death and separation from God. We have been rescued from that and been brought into freedom because Jesus now is our Passover lamb, right? Just as, as God brought Israel out of, of slavery in Egypt through the death of the Passover lamb, Jesus is now our Passover lamb so that we get to live in this status of no condemnation. We get to live in the identity. We are sons and daughters of the living God. There's no condemnation, right? We are loved. We are approved by God because we are now in Christ. Through faith in Jesus, we have God's forgiveness, his approval, and we have eternal life, Okay. That's true every day of the week. <laughs> That's always true. But Sabbath remains as a day to soak that in in an unhurried way. It's a day to, to gather together and worship and be reminded of these truths through songs and through God's word and through encouraging one another. It's an unhurried day to truly soak in the gospel that we don't live for God's approval, right? We live from his approval. So um, let me just tease this out in my own life for a second, okay? Because um, the reality is I think on the other six days and even on the Sabbath, often we don't live in that freedom. So let me just get real practical, real personal for a second. So I'll just, I'll just tell you, last week, um, last, I didn't like my sermon last Sunday. Can I just say that? Like C minus in my mind, okay? Maybe C minus, maybe C on a good day. Uh, totally underperformed, underperformed. And um, this is my own stuff going on. I'm just getting used to my own stuff. And partly, I, I really care about the Sabbath. Like, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm very passionate about this. And so I, I so badly want you all to kind of catch what I feel like I've 
been blessed with in this conversation. And so I think my expectations are a certain place. And last Sunday definitely didn't hit the expectation. Okay. So what I, what I notice about myself is, so I woke up on Monday morning. I didn't even really process that too. That was, that's sort of under, under the surface, right? I go through my Sunday. Uh, I wake up under uh, Monday morning and what I notice, there's just this added um, edge and drive and a voice that's kind of saying, dude, you better nail it next Sunday. You know, like, and it's kind of under the surface, but I just feel revved up. And, and underneath that voice, and I've thought a lot about this over the years, is another voice that says something like, because who are you if you're not extraordinary? Like, who are you when you're not getting A's? And I got all A's growing up. <laughs> I got all A's. And, but I don't get all A's in life. <laughs> and so there's, that, there's that, that voice that says, who are you when you're not doing this? And what that is, is actually not living in the gospel. That's what that is in a very practical way. It is thinking, I still have to perform for God and others in order to be accepted by God and others. It is living in the message of what I always call performance-based approval, right? Performance-based approval. God's approval of me is based on my performance. And um, many of us live with performance-based approval. We really do. And for most of us, the work week is probably the main place where we try to live out that performance. Not always, but that tends to be where, where the central thrust of, of that story goes in our lives. And um, for some of you, you don't struggle with performance-based approval, but you struggle with other things. Maybe there's guilt. Maybe there's shame. Maybe there are these feelings of not enough, whatever it is. But we live with, if I can use that image again, with these yokes that we put on ourselves. They're burdens. They're heavy. They are not life-giving for our souls, and they're actually not the way God intends us to live as his children. And so we need to hear that invitation that Drew read to us, right? Come to me, all you who are weary. Are you, are you weary with a life performance-based approval? Man, I, got something. I have something so much better for you. I was thinking of Romans 5 um, this week. I won't have you turn to it. But Paul says this, it's for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Christ has freed us and yet so often we are putting back these yokes of performance and, and trying so hard to obey the law in order to be good. And Jesus is saying, you can't do that. And, and the good news is you don't have to do that. Faith is actually the thing that saves you. And faith is the thing you carry your whole life. Trust God, trust me, that's the gospel, not what you can do for God. And so I live with that, and that's, you know, I'm 45, I'm going to struggle with that for another decade or two or three or four. But Sabbath is a concrete boundary in the week. It's a day to actively take off that yoke that we should never be carrying, but Sabbath gives us a unique opportunity to take off that yoke. <sighs> yes, Lord. I'm going to come to you. I'm weary. Gosh, I'm weary. I, I, I fell into that again. And so today is a day to experience you as my father. We're going to sing about God as our, as our father later. To join my brothers and sisters, to be reminded of the good news, and to soak it in. Amen? So that's what we do on the Sabbath. We slow down. We take off that yoke. We experience God's freedom. We declare that freedom. That's sort of the theological, the freedom of the gospel. And then what I want to do now, I want to just end the time by getting 
real practical, and this is where it's going to get real, and some of you aren't going to like any of what I'm about to say, um, but I think it's, you'll actually like it once you think about it. So to get practical, it's not just a day to live in the freedom of the gospel, but um, it's, a day, it's a day to declare our freedom from the kingdoms of the world. That was definitely what it was for Israel. We are declaring our freedom from the kingdoms of Egypt and the surrounding nations because God is our God. Yahweh is our God. And for us, it's a day to declare our freedom from the gods of our culture, from the idols of our culture, from the things that our culture is selling us that try to grab hold of our hearts. Sabbath is a day to say, nope, we're going to declare our freedom to ourselves and to the world um, that we don't live for these things. These things don't define us, and we live for God and his kingdom. So let me give you three things that you won't see on the screens. Uh, I was just thinking about what are the idols, what are the gods of our surrounding cultures? So I'll give you three isms, the first one I made up. Achievement-ism, right? It is a god of our culture. You are what you can produce, what you can achieve, what you can accomplish, and it gets inside of us, and that's what runs the surrounding world. And Sabbath is the day to say, we're declaring our freedom from achievement-ism. Number two, uh, I'll use two words, materialism, or we could use the other word, consumerism. You are what you can acquire. You are what you can consume. And uh, most of us, or most of the world, has bought into this, honestly, this big propaganda machine that says uh, life consists in the abundance of possessions. The more you can acquire, the more you can consume, the happier you'll be. And I was sitting for a while this week with Jesus' word where he says, life, like good life, like true life worth living, doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. And he's not being spiritual. He's just being really practical. Like, truly, happiness is not found in the abundance of possessions. And guess what? All the studies are in, and it turns out Jesus is right, and the world is wrong. I was looking at this study this week that was done from Princeton, I think. They, they surveyed, like, it was like crazy, like 4,500 they went through 4,500 surveys. And in America, it turns out, obviously, poverty can really uh, hinder your, your life satisfaction. But if you get to $75,000 as a family in America, that is the ceiling for increased life satisfaction. The minute you get beyond that, you either plateau or happiness drops. Okay, That's just, just secular data that you can get all that to say, if you can get kind of a you've got your, your needs met, that people do not even self-identify as happier or more fulfilled beyond $75,000. Jesus is right. Life actually doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. And so Sabbath is a day to declare our freedom from materialism and consumerism. It's a day to say, no, we're not going to let that define our lives today. And then one more ism, uh, what I'll call the idol of digital escapism. And that's what we're doing when we're not achieving and we're not consuming. We just are tired. And so we go to this mind-numbing distraction in front of screens. That's why we turned the screens off today. We didn't want you guys to experience any screens today. Yeah, that just came to me. I like that. Might use that second. Digital escapism, right? And, and um, you know, this is, I keep beating up on this through this series um, because, well, I'll get to it in just a second. This is a remarkable experiment, if you think about it. We're, so we're, we're going to take, um, take a computer and a TV and a camera and an internet connection, and we're going to strap it to our bodies all, all day long. We're going to see how that goes. 
right? And honestly, the, the, the stats are in. It's not going well. <laughs> it's not working for people's lives very well. And so we are surrounded by this kingdom, right? We're caught up in it. Of course, it, it, it defines our lives, and we can become slaves to these, these idols. And Sabbath is a day to declare our freedom from the idols of the world. Say, we will not be defined by what we can achieve, what we can consume, what we can be entertained by. We live for the one true God, Yahweh, who gives freedom to his people. All right, so let's get real. So practically, how could you declare your freedom on a Sabbath day? First, I got three things with those idols. Um, We shut down our work entirely on the Sabbath. Okay, that's what we do. That means no work emails, no work projects, no work texts. We shut it down for day. We say, I'm not going to be a slave to that. And I'm going to trust that the company is still going to be standing when I check it again tomorrow. Okay? This is where it gets real. Uh, We shut down the consumerism for a day. So just so you know, Sabbath is not a day to go to the mall. Sabbath is not a day to spend an hour on Amazon and, and, and get a bunch of online purchases. It's not a day for acquiring. Um, I think, yes, we could, if you want to go out to dinner, something like that, great. But in general, we're trying to create a day of freedom for us that doesn't require all the people around us to keep working in order for it to work. So it has to be a day of simplicity. Um, and that generally means let's stop consuming and acquiring for Sabbath. And then finally, it's a day to shut down the digital escapism, okay? To get our eyes off of a screen for 24 hours. Uh, maybe we watch a movie with our family. Maybe we watch one sporting event with, with, a, with friends or something like that on the day. But it, it is not a day to veg out for four hours in front of a screen. And so I'll, just to go back to this, um, it's a day to shut this down. Okay? And when you think about it, this right here is the portal to all three of those idols, right? This is how we access our achievement. This is our access to work. This is how we access the materialism for many of us. This is where we make the purchases. And of course, this is the most common place of digital escapism. So here's what we do on Sabbath. It's a crazy idea. Uh, the day begins, or maybe it's the night before, and we look at, the se- at our phones and we say, you know what? You have been working so hard for me for six days. And you know what? You could use a rest today. And you know, I feel like I could use a rest from you today as well. And so we turn it off. Or we find, you know, two or three times in the day where we will choose to check it. But otherwise, we're not on it on the Sabbath day. So um, for some of you, this is starting to sound really stressful and not like a good day, right? What am I supposed to do if I'm not achieving, if I'm not consuming, if I'm not being distracted digitally? Um, And you're afraid that's going to suck the joy right out of my life, right? And we have to trust that God knows what's going to satisfy us. Uh, So what do we do instead? What do we do instead of achieving and consuming and being distracted? Well, we get present to our lives. That's what we do. We, We actually slow down enough to be present with the people that we're around. We get to be present to our spouses to our kids, to our roommates, uh, to our friends, rather than partly, you know, present to this and present to my girls, I get to be fully present to my girls for a day. Uh, We get to get present, as we talked about last week, to the beauty around us that is uh, a different kind of beauty than the beauty we find at the mall or on a screen. We get present to God's 
the beauty that God has made around us. And um, we actually get to do something that um, we rarely do on Sabbath, which is what, you know, again, the identity on Sabbath is to remind ourselves that we're God's kids. What do kids do so well? They play. And some of us have forgotten how to play. And Sabbath is actually a day for play. It's a day for rest. It's a day for worship. But it's also a day for play, which is pull away from the, not, the mind-numbing distraction of a screen and spend some unhurried time doing something you love, whatever that might be, whether it's playing an instrument, whether it's building a puzzle, whether it's um, reading a book, whether it's playing games with your kids, whether it's enjoying a hobby, whether it's going to a beautiful place you love, um, we get to play because that's what kids do. They play. And on Sabbath, we remind ourselves we're the freed children of God. And one of the ways we declare that is by learning how to play again. This is Sabbath as freedom. But if you've noticed, it's also Sabbath as resistance. It's Sabbath as counterculture. It's Sabbath as subversion. It's saying it's a day to declare our freedom that we're not, we're not just citizens of, of you know, um, Western consumerism or, or, of, um, or of Amazon or of Netflix or of Google or of, of extravagance, but we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And we're children of God. And this is a day to live as the freed children of God. So I'll leave you with that. And I just want to invite you to use your imagination. If, if you can begin to picture, gosh, what would a day look like for me and my family or me and my roommates that is a day dedicated to soaking in the freedom of the gospel and being freed up from the idols, the gods of the culture around me in order to play and worship and rest. Again, what does it look like to answer? I'll leave you with this, this um, invitation from Jesus. On the Sabbath, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Let me pray. Father, we are grateful um, to do what we'll do in just a second, to just celebrate your gospel again. And, and um, I pray that you would, as we continue this conversation, give us an imagination for a day that would be so life-giving for our relationship with you and our relationship with each other and those around us. A day where we say no. We create boundaries around things that threaten to utterly define our lives so that we can say yes to something different and refreshing and good and so in line with what you want for us. So Lord, move in us. Even this week as we, we, we think about this, I pray that you would inspire conversations among friends, among, among spouses and families, among roommates, about what this could look like to lean into this more together. We pray in Jesus' name.